0: Welcome to the Faith Today Podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. The First Nations Version is an Indigenous translation of the New Testament that came out from InterVarsity Press in August 2021. It's lyrical and it's beautiful. It's a thought-for-thought thought translation and not a word-by-word word translation. I'm Karen Stiller, and in this interview, Terry Wildman, lead translator and general editor of the First Nations Version shares the story of its coming to life, does some amazing readings, and shares his hopes for this gift to the church. So Terry, this First Nations Version, an indigenous translation of the New Testament, is so beautiful and so new. Tell us why and how this project came about.
1: Well, the why of it has to do with the time that I lived on the Hopi Indian Reservation in Northern Arizona, and began to interact with very traditional Native people. I discovered that the traditional Bible studies we were doing, when I say traditional, there I mean Christian traditional Bible studies we were doing, weren't really connecting. And I was really praying on a way to connect. and, And one of the things was I thought I would try rewording the scriptures Kind of in a in a more native way, but in English, because I discovered that English that ninety over ninety percent of our native people speak only English. A few speak their own languages, and even less can read because of the issues with the assimilation policies of the, the United States government and how the churches got involved in those assimilation policies. And Actually began to take away our languages from us. So they never actually taught us how to read our own, our own Bibles. And so, um, you know, that was, that was part of the issue. Uh, so anyway, after some experimenting with the men and women who were on the Hopi Res that I had interaction with, I started getting some really good feedback, more interaction as I reworded and used terminology more familiar with traditional native people. And so that was kind of the beginning of the idea. And then that kind of expanded a little bit more when I, uh, my wife and I made a CD. We're recording artists, so we we did some nice background music. And my wife on her flute and I did the narration. And we wrote a story with the help of a few Native friends from creation to Christ. We called it the Great Story from the Sacred Book. And it was a condensed version of the whole story of the Bible through Jesus, but we didn't use any of the, what I would call, Christianese language in English. We intentionally stayed away from certain words and certain phrases, but we still presented the truth of those phrases and the meaning of those things, but we changed the wording to be more uh, relevant. And so uh, that that's kind of how it started, but it, it, I never dreamed I'd be doing a translation. Okay, that that was far from my mind, and but eventually, you know, I, I think it took about from about 2003 to about 2012 for me to commit to this idea and, and really believe and uh, become convinced that Creator had called me to do this. And then it, from there, it was just uh, it's a, the whole process began to open up. But, uh, but that's kind of why and, and how it's there. There's so many of our Native people don't read the Bible in their Native tongue. And uh, the English translations, even though they're very readable and our Native people can understand standard English, but there's something about when you speak more from a traditional heart language style of speaking, it reaches them. And we have over 50 Bibles, right, in English, but none had ever been written with Native people in mind. And so that's part of the story.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's true when I think of all the types of Bibles you can get, like uh, women's Bibles, men's Bibles, and so on and so forth. So you mentioned, or it says in the introduction to the, the First Nations version that you brought together 25 tribes to consult, to participate. What was that process like?
1: Well, first of all, with the help of One Book of Canada, which is a Bible translation organization, they encouraged me to form a translation council. Because of my wife and I had traveled all across Turtle Island, North America, visiting so many tribal places, tribal nations, tribal centers, and uh, churches across, we made a lot of relationships. So out of those relationships, um, I called different people, young, old, men, women, and asked them if they would pray about becoming involved in becoming a translation council and helping work on this translation with me. The group that you we have said yes to those things. But also later, after we determined the process of the translation, we invited many other people to become reviewers, to give feedback, to review different books of the Bible. Usually I would bring someone in and they would do a whole book, like say Ephesians or, or Colossians. And they would re- read through it all, uh, probably about four chapters at a time. And then in Google Docs, <laughs> they would uh, give feedback. Oh, th- I think this could be worded better this way, or this relates to our Native people more this way. And, and so um, the idea wasn't that they would try to be uh, Bible translators, so to speak, or theologians, but just that they would look at readability and compare it to their favorite Bible. Uh, uh, in, 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 in another English Bible, and and so that process included uh, people from many different organizations. We had Native University. We had staff there that helped us, and some of the staff used the students to help read and and give feedback and things like that. Over the years, it was a five-year period. You know, people. Some people would come in and they would do a couple books, and then. They didn't have time now, so I would be recruiting new people all the time. Eventually, at least 25 different tribal heritages were involved uh, in this translation.
0: Terry, can you read the Lord's Prayer for us?
1: Absolutely. O oh, Great Spirit, our Father from above, we honor your name as sacred and holy. Bring your good road to us, where the beauty of your ways in the spirit world above, is reflected in the earth below. Provide for us, day by day, the elk, the buffalo, and the salmon, the corn, the squash, and the wild rice, all the things we need each day. Release us from the things we have done wrong, in the same way we release others for the things done wrong to us. Guide us away from the things that tempt us to stray from your good road, and set us free from the evil one and his worthless ways. Aho, may it be so.
0: Wow, that is so beautiful. It is fresh and beautiful and poetic to my ears. It's just lovely. Tell me about dynamic equivalence that not word for word, right, but thought for thought. Can you unpack that?
1: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, one of the things I would like to say is that we follow kind of the tradition of our Native storytellers, and so Native American stories were traditionally told in ways that are unique to the storyteller and meaningful to the listeners, drawing from history, tradition, and experience. The storyteller ensures the essence of the story is preserved without the need to present a strict word for word recital. So dynamic equivalence. We just experienced that when we read the Lord's Prayer. We uh the, the literal scripture word for word says uh, give us today our daily bread it uses the word bread. Now what did bread mean to the Hebrew people back in Jesus' day? In that day what was bread? It was their staple.
0: Yeah it yes. was
1: it, it was their staple. So but for Native people, we have, uh, we used the elk, the buffalo, the salmon, the corn, the squash, and the r- wild rice. So dynamic equivalence means this means to a Native person exactly what bread meant to a Jewish person. But somehow in the saying it this way, they would understand bread, and they, they would probably apply it in a similar way. But when they hear it this way, when we hear it this way, it touches something deep in us.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, We connect to it.
0: When you, Terry, when you were talking about oral storytelling and the role of the listener and the role of the teller, um, so is is part of the teller's role kind of pushing it through their own experience and out as well? So it's personal as well as corporate or?
1: Well, sure. There's always a personal element involved. Every English translation, why do you think they're so different? Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's because the translators each put some of their own understanding and maybe even their own personality into the way that it gets worded. And also then there were, there were whole councils or or teams of people that did it, but there's usually a main translator who does the main work and then everybody else kind of gives input and things like that. So yeah, there is an, an element of that in there and I don't think there's any way to get around it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The names were really captivating to me too. Um, And I know our meaningful Jesus is creator set free. Nicodemus conquers the people. The Pharisees are the separated ones. And the Jordan River was river flowing down. Can you tell us how that naming works and and why that was important to do?
1: Well, right from the beginning, when we met with our council, um, I I had already been working on a lot of uh, scriptures prior to our council being put together. But one of the things they really liked was the fact that I had already started that practice of, of giving the meanings of names, because in our native cultures, our names all had meanings. And sometimes we'd have more than one name. And biblically, look at Peter gets two names, right? he gets another name given to him by Jesus. Abram gets another name. And that's a practice also among many of our native uh, nations is that uh, names have meaning. So we, we really saw that this was a bridge that we could actually look into the Greek and the Hebrew. The wonderful thing is somebody had already done, there's several books that say the meanings of the names in the Bible, all the names in the Bible. So all we had to do is look up those meanings, but then we'd give them a little bit of a native feel uh, to it. Jesus, of course, being creator sets free. You know, it's not, you know, the name Jesus was a common name. Among the people of his day, so there, you know, people hearing his name, they they you, they would usually add Jesus of Nazareth, because they had to identify which Jesus they were talking about. Yeah. Okay. And today, in some languages, Jesus has different kinds of names. In Malagasy, it's Jesosi; in Hebrew, it's Yeshua; in the original 1611 King James Bible, it wasn't Jesus; it was Yesus uh was used i e s u s so it's not the sound of the name it's who you're pointing to with that name that's yeah. important and creator sets free is the meaning of jesus name and it becomes his name in a very sacred way as it points to who he is
0: beautiful can you read uh john 3:16 and 17 i know those are such familiar verses for people listening and it would be neat to hear those
1: i would love to The Great Spirit loves this world of human beings so deeply. He gave us his Son, the only Son who fully represents him. All who trust in him and his way will not come to a bad end, but will have the life of the world to come that never fades away, full of beauty and harmony. Creator did not send his Son to decide against the people of this world, but to set them free from the worthless ways of the world.
0: Yeah. Wow. It is so beautiful. And it, this I hope this is a compliment. It reminds me of when Eugene Peterson released the message that it was like a, just a fresh, you know, poetic rendition of scripture. And sh- surely this will go beyond First Nations uh, worshiping, reading audience. I, are you expecting that, that it will be fresh for all kinds of years?
1: Well, of course. And, and for us, that, that's not a new thing yeah. because all along the, the line, as we released smaller portions of this early on, we were getting feedback from Native people and the dominant culture. and I, And they were saying, wow, look at this. Uh, This sounds so so amazing to me. It's opened the Bible up in fresh new ways and and given me a desire to read the scriptures more. So we began to see that that this is not only a gift from a small group of Native people to our Native people, but a gift from our Native people to the dominant culture. Uh, So that the dominant culture, what I love about it is it shows the 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 value that Creator has in our Native people and what we really have to offer to the body of Christ.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, how about 1 Corinthians 13, 11 to 13? And I purposely skipped over the love is section, which is beautiful, but I really loved how you kind of brought it home in those couple of
1: verses. Yes, this is small man speaking, of course. That's what we call Paul because his name, his name means small. Okay, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, and I saw through the eyes of a child. But when I became fully grown, I put my childish ways behind me. For now, it is as if we are looking at a poor reflection in muddy water. But then we will see face to face. For now, my knowledge is full of holes. But when that time comes, I will know the Great Spirit as well as I am known by Him. But until then, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And love is the greatest.
0: Beautiful. Is there an Old Testament coming?
1: Every interviewer asks me that. (laughs) And I call out to all the listeners, and if you love this translation, pray. pray. We're praying about it. It seems uh, like an overwhelming task in some ways, but in other ways, there's such a calling out for it that we're really considering it and praying about it. And already doing I'm already working on some portions of the Old Testament just to kind of try it out. Uh, So yes, please pray. And we hope Uh, that the answer will be yes, and that we'll find a way to be able to do it.
0: Yeah. So Terry, what is a favorite verse for you or passage that really, I don't know, you had joy in writing or you just think really captures the spirit of the project?
1: I like uh, so many. Matter of fact, there's a couple little ones. I'd like to share just maybe three little portions. Wonderful. So Ephesians 4 Uh, 22 through 24, small man says, take off that worn out and stained outfit of your past life with its selfish desires and worthless ways of thinking. It no longer represents who you are. You are now true human beings with a new way of seeing and thinking. Put on the regalia of your new life, for you have been made new, created again to look like the one who made you standing in a good way and walking a true and sacred path. Then in Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are like clay in his hands, molded from the chosen one, made to be like him and walking the ancient pathways he originally created us for. And then finally, uh, I love how Ephesians 5.2, you'll notice most, most of these are out of Ephesians. Walk the road of love. Following the path of the Chosen One, who loved us and offered up his life to the Great Spirit like the smoke of burning sage.
0: Wow, that is so beautiful, Terry. Thank you. Thank you for this amazing gift to the church. I, I really think that's what it is, and I, I hope it's received like that with open hands.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. I say miigwech. Bizindawiye. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you, Terry. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it,
1: please rate or share it.